0: You are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are going to be a lot of great things going on this summer at Collective, so make sure you are following us on social media at MyCollectiveChurch to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Last week we announced the big and exciting news that we signed a lease to acquire 6,000 square feet next door so that we can have a bigger and better collective kids space, we can have access to more parking, room for future growth uh, in our auditorium, and a dedicated youth space. Um, and so if you, we can clap for that. They clapped at first service, so it makes sense. Uh, this is still exciting a week later. Um, after you guys heard all the details last week. Um, But if you missed it last week, here's what we want you to do. If you have the app or if you scan the QR code or if you're like an old school website type person, um, we want you to check out the all-in page. There's the announcement on there. There's more details. Um, like I mentioned, there's a floor plan if like you're into that kind of thing. The rooms are bigger. That's all you really need to know, but you can check it out if you want. Um, but I shared last week that in order for us to complete this project without wiping out our savings and hurting future ministry opportunities, as a church, we need to raise at least $75,000 by the end of summer with $50,000 coming uh, on or around the weekend of June 26th. And so what we're doing is we're asking everyone who calls collective their church home to give a bold and generous gift above their regular giving so we can make this happen. Um, And we talked about this last week a little bit, but you can give on the app or you can scan the QR code. Um, You can give online, give. Actually, the easiest way to do it is click on all in, um, because there's some access to that as well. Uh, For those of you who write checks, you can write a check. There's a gray basket at the door on the way out every single week, Um, but for that week, you would write all in in the memo. If you can't find it, it's where the earplugs are for those of you who think it's too loud in here. And so uh, last week, I, I said that I would share the top five questions that people are asking right now about that, this project. So that's what I want to do to kick things off today. Um, so the question that I've gotten asked more than any other is, what if we raise more than $75,000? Now, I love this question. Um, it just oozes confidence. And uh, as I mentioned last week, the majority of this cost will come from our savings. Since Collective launched, we've saved 10% of everything that's been given to our general fund. Um, And because Collective is a generous church and so many of you regularly give, we have the funds to get this project started. Uh, But this is why last week when we talked about giving, I challenged every single one of us uh, to start giving or to grow our giving because we know that giving changes lives. And this is one of the ways that the discipline of giving does that, is by giving us more space to reach more people. Now, if we raise more than the $75,000, there are two things that will happen Um, The first is that we have other projects that we want to start. Um, We always have a list of five or six things that we're working on, Um, but the number one project we would do if we went over um, is we do some tech upgrades. Um, Right now, our goal is to upgrade our cameras um, for Collective Online. It's actually not for Collective Online. Um, Collective Online is great. It's great if you're sick. It's great if you're not here. You guys know how I feel about it's not a replacement for church, and so we're not doing it necessarily for Collective Online. The real reason um, is that a few weeks ago, I was sitting in the back um, at a service, and there was a baptism, and I realized When you're in the back few rows, you can't see our baptisms, right? And so I'm assuming you cheer when everybody else cheers. Um, And so we reached out to uh, our AV company. We said, hey, how do we make this happen? And they said, what we need to do is we need to upgrade our cameras. We need to do a little bit of an upgrade so that on Sundays when there are baptisms, we can project it onto the screen. Um, And this is a big deal because it's a huge moment, and we celebrate this moment in a big way, but we want you to share in that moment as well and so we've got two or three other projects like this where if we raise over we'll do those um, that we think will make this a better experience and give us more opportunity to celebrate but the second thing is that if we raise way above our goal uh, we'll be able to take less money out of our savings which will just give us more margin for big things in the future it'll allow us to keep saying yes uh, to these risks that God is asking us to take Next question is, what if we don't hit our goal? Uh, obviously, I hate this question, but it's a good question. I appreciate people asking that. Um, to be honest, I don't know what will happen if we don't hit our goal. Uh, we signed a lease, so we are, we are in that deal. Um, really, is talking to our finance team and our overseers, um, we do have a plan if we don't hit it, and what that means is we won't be able to make the, the space fully what we want it to be. Um, it, doesn't mean, it means we won't be able to upgrade the stuff that we feel like we need to upgrade. And while this isn't ideal and would definitely impact our ability to make Collective Kids the best it can be, um, if that happens, our Collective Kids team is incredible, and they'll make it work. Um, I'm 100% positive we could give them empty rooms that were bigger, and they would still be the best children's ministry around. And so while we don't want that to happen, um, we do have a way to make sure that it is still the best experience we have with uh, what's been given to us. The next question is, what work are we going to do? And I think this is my favorite question, because I'm really excited to answer this. We don't have to do any work for the build-out. Um, to get into this space, like we did some demo, we ripped up carpet, and we did a lot of painting, and I'm not going to lie, uh, it sucked, and we all hated it. And we're like, we're doing this for the Lord. At the same time, I was like, this isn't fun. And so when working on the deal for the new space, um, one of the things we asked them was to cover those costs for free. Um, and the reason why is that tenant's been there for a very long time, and so we can't receive the space as is, and so they offered to do all the painting and all the demo without us uh, having to pay for it or to do any of it, um, which is great. And what that also means is that when it's done, it's done, instead of us getting to the space and like taking some time. Um, now once the space is done, or right around that time, we'll have a day, a work day here, we'll move over the current Collective Kids stuff, we'll put some uh, furniture together, we'll set up tech, all of that. Um, In the next few weeks, we'll give you an opportunity uh, to sign up for that if you're interested. Um, We know a lot of you have skills that you want to lend, and so we'll give you that opportunity to do that as well. Another question that we've been asked is, how does this expansion impact our yearly budget? Um, Again, another great question. Um, You know, One thing I just want to encourage you guys on for the people who've been asking these questions, um, I love these questions. They're hard questions, but I love them because it just shows that you have a ton of wisdom. Um, you're not asking me questions like what color are the walls going to be, mostly because you know they're going to be gray, um, but also like you're thinking about, hey, how, what's the long-term impact of this? And so part of the deal I worked out with our landlord is that we won't have to pay rent on the space uh, in 2022, and so the immediate impact will be minimal. Uh, when rent does start, we actually convinced them to push it to quarter two of 2023. Um, the truth is it will have a huge impact on our budget. And just being completely transparent, which I promised you that I would do, um, our giving will need to grow so that we don't have a deficit each month. Uh, and this is scary. Um, our finance team is like, this is very scary. And I'm like, this is kind of scary. Um, but, but faith risks are, right? If we were only doing the easy things, then I, I don't know if it would show a lot of faith. If we were only doing the things that we could like plan out ourselves, I don't, I don't know if we'd be fully trusting God. We feel very clearly that God is telling us to take this space and create more room, um, the same way we felt when we moved in here. Um, the, the, the story, if you don't know it, is that uh, there were two companies in these four suites, and when COVID hit, uh, the company that took up three of the suites closed um, because they were doing overseas stuff and they couldn't do it anymore. And the company that had been there for like 10 years didn't resign their lease. And we had no idea these spaces were available, and... Through God, we were given two different options, and we combined them to make collective, and it felt right. And we knew, we knew we needed to do it. So when this space opened up, we knew we needed to do it. And so we're just going to trust that God knows what he's doing. Now, when it comes to the ministry we do, uh, we're going to do everything we can to make sure this project doesn't take away from our impact on Sunday mornings or in our community. So we're going to keep giving away 10%. We're never going to stop doing that no matter what the budget looks like. We're going to keep feeding people. We're going to keep creating space for people to experience Jesus. We might just have to adjust how we do it and the scale of how we do some things for a while, but we're not going to put Collective in an unhealthy place financially just for this space. Uh, And so we'll cross that bridge in a few months, um, but ultimately we trust God and we trust the way that this is going to work itself out. Now the last question is this. How does this project impact future growth? So this is the last expansion we'll be able to do in this building without getting super creative and like taking our offices out and like, moving some somewhere else in the park or something complicated like that. So in the short term, if we keep growing um, and we outgrow two services, we'll simply add a third and a fourth and a fifth. We'll do 40 services if that's what we need to do. Uh, our team is like, no, uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but the long term is that as soon as this project is done, that savings that we've been talking about, we're going to start saving for our eventual own space. Um, Our hope one day is to own. Uh, Leasing is hard. I'll just tell you right now, I hate it, Um, but it's where we are in this season. And so immediately we're gonna start saving because our goal is in five to seven years, if we keep growing, would be to buy our own space, right, to level up again. Um, And I'm not gonna lie. I pray every day that collective outgrows this space because it means more and more people are experiencing the grace and truth of Jesus. It means lost people are getting found. It means marriages are healing and addictions are being broken. It means people are experiencing real hope. And so I know that talking about the future can be scary. Um, I'm a future thinker, so it doesn't freak me out. But for some of you, you're like, what are we going to do? We're just going to keep trusting God. And if God continues to bring people to this church, we're going to keep digging those ditches and and keep opening up space um, because that's what he's asking us to do. And the truth is, this is the type of future that we should want. This is the type of future that every church should want. They should want these types of tensions because it means God is moving in bigger ways than what they can handle, and that is a good thing. This is a future where Jesus is turning the world upside down through a gritty and real and passionate group of people called collective. And we say this a lot, but the best is yet to come. And this is a big step right now, um, but our prayer is that we hopefully look back in a few years and realize that this was small compared to what God's doing. Um, And so if you have more questions about this, we're going to talk a little bit more about it next week. Um, Come talk to me. Any questions. It could be weird. You could ask me, you know, is it really going to be great? The answer is yes, it's going to be great. Just a little bit darker. Um, But whatever you guys need for this, like I said, it's full transparency. So come find me after service. I'd love to talk more with you about it. So over the past year, uh, I've been part of something called the Emerging Leaders Cohort. And so in the fall and winter... I flew to Seattle and then Kansas City to spend 36 intense hours listening to some uh, amazing church leaders and then spending time breaking out into like a small group and talking and wrestling with what we were hearing and what we were learning and what this meant for our church. And so this spring, our last one was in Indiana. And so as I was flying out there, I assumed that this would be the same format, listen to someone speak, break into a small group, go home. But then they switched things up. Instead of heading to the auditorium to hear a speaker, they had to stand in a small circle and start counting off one through five before breaking into groups. And then the facilitator said that dreaded phrase, we are now going to do a group project. Like shivers went down my spine. My eye started to twitch a little bit. I began to like telepathically try to tell my wife to call me and pretend there's an emergency so I can get on a flight and fly back to Frederick because I hate group projects. And most of you hate group projects as well. Some of you love them. Well, I'm about to talk about you and you're not going to like it very much. But it doesn't matter if you are an adult or a student, group projects always go the same way. A few people will pull the weight, a few people coast, and one person contributes absolutely nothing, shows up for the presentation, and then ruins everything. And this was no different. They gave us about an hour to work through a church planting scenario, Uh, and when my group started to work, one of the guys had disappeared, just straight vanished. We had no idea where he was. Uh, So another guy said, I'm going to go find him, and guess what? He didn't come back. (laughs) Classic. So it was me and two other people, and one of them kept saying things like, I trust whatever you guys say, and I'm just here to learn, so tell me what to do, aka I wasn't actually paying attention. It was awful. I already don't like hanging out with pastors because they're boring, and so this was my nightmare. So over the next hour, two of us did all the work, but when we went to present, there were five people standing in front of the group. Classic group project. It was terrible. Thankfully, this wasn't for a grade uh, because we bombed. It was very embarrassing. Our facilitator was a guy named Bill, and he looked at us the same way a parent looks at his child, who is a disappointment. Um, And then afterwards, we had this 15-minute break, and he literally came up to me and hugged me and apologized because group projects are the worst. But here's the thing. If you think about it, church is kind of like a big group project. Now, hear me out. Uh, When we started this series, we read something called the Great Commission. These are some of Jesus' last words to his followers, essentially some of his last words to the church. He says this in Matthew 28, "'Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.'" So in this moment, Jesus is saying, go and share this good news with every single person that you can. Right? Go and tell people about this Savior who loves them and died for them and resurrected for them and prove that he was real. He says, baptize them. Help them experience new life. Teach them about grace and teach them about hope and teach them about joy. And this is a command given to every single person who follows Jesus. It's not just for pastors or leaders in the church. It's for everyone. This is why the church exists, to tell as many people as possible about his good news. And each of us have a part to play. Paul, whose teaching we've been focusing on this series, uh, says this to the church in Corinth, a church that's just like ours. He says this in First Corinthians 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. Super deep, right? Paul's like very philosophical right there. But what he's saying is the church is like a body. And if you've been to church before, you've probably heard the phrases, the church body or the body of believers. That's in reference to what Paul is saying here. And so the church, although full of people who look different and sound different and act different, They all come together as one. They are many parts, but one body. And so in this letter, Paul is talking to Christians, and he's specifically saying, if you are a follower of Jesus, in fact, he's talking to a very specific church, he's saying, if this is your church, you have a part to play. And then he writes a few verses later, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, and if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And so as we move into the fourth week of our series, All In, this series that's about choosing discomfort and taking bold next steps so as many people as possible can experience the grace of Jesus, the question that I want to ask you today is this, are you serving? Are you serving? If collective is your church, you play part in the body. You play a part in this church, whether you knew that or not until right now, and whether you like that or not. And so are you playing your part? And so I'm just gonna tell you up front, the challenge is really simple. It's to make you uncomfortable, just like every single week in this series. But the goal today is that I want you to go all in and play your part. I want you to join the team. We talk about this every week. The best way to do that is you check a box in your connection card or you head to next steps. And my goal is that 25 new people check the box and start serving by the end of July. And this is an incredibly aggressive goal. In fact, we've never had 25 people check the box and join a team in a quarter. Um, But this series has just been completely aggressive in all of our goals, so we're just gonna lean in. But that's the goal today. A few years ago, I was grabbing lunch with a friend of mine who is like a church planting guru, and we started talking about this concept of lag measure versus lead measure. And a lag measure tells you, through data, if you've achieved your goal. But a lead measure tells you through data if you are likely to achieve your goal. It's essentially like a cause and effect thing. And my friend asked me, what is the biggest lead measure at Collective? And I had no idea, but thankfully I love spreadsheets and I love data. And so I went back and I started nerding it up. Um, I actually grabbed a friend of mine who loves spreadsheets and pivot tables more than I do, and we just like nerded out for a really long time. And this is what we found. The biggest lead measure in our church is people joining our team. The biggest lead measure in our church is people serving. And so here's what this means. When people serve, this church grows. When people serve, more people are baptized. When people serve in this church, our generosity grows, and we make a bigger impact in our community. It leads the way. Ultimately, when people play their part, instead of sitting on the sidelines, when people take the gifts and the talents and the passions that God has given them, instead of keeping them to themselves, they use them to create space for other people to experience Jesus in this church. That's exactly what happens. And there are two things that drive everything that we do at Collective, baptisms and life change. And a growing team leads to that more than anything else that we do as a church right now. But here's what's frustrating about this. Looking at the trends for this year, our team has actually only grown by a few people. And so this tells me a couple of things. Uh, It tells me that our current team is amazing, right? They're doing an incredible job. Uh, If you are someone who serves here, I just want you to know, and everyone else knows this too, you are crushing it. Um, I know I'm biased, but I think this is awesome every single week. And the people who serve here are the reason why that's true, right? You love this church, not because of me, because of the people who serve, but the second thing it tells me is that the percentage of people who are attending and not serving is actually the highest it's ever been in the history of a collective. And listen, this isn't a guilt trip, okay? Uh, if you're feeling some way about this, whether it's guilty or mad at me or whatever, I just want to encourage you to lean into that. Right? Figure out why you feel that way. Come talk to me about it. Get mad at me about it. Ask me questions about it. But the thing is, this is just an honest family conversation. This is an honest conversation about people who are a part Of this body, and so if we're done reaching people and seeking and saving lost people, we don't care if anyone else serves. But I don't believe that God's done using us yet. I don't believe that God's up in heaven thinking they made it, great job, collective. I don't think He's sitting there thinking they've done everything they they could do. They've done everything I've ever wanted. And so, if we want to continue to spread the gospel, the good news of grace and endless second chances then every single person here has to play their part. Now, I know there are one million reasons not to serve. You're already thinking about them and you're arguing with me in your head. So let's talk about some of them right now. Uh, So the number one reason that we've been getting over uh, the last few months is COVID, right? That was a thing a few years ago that people gave, um, but I think we can all agree that this excuse is tired and worn out by now. Um, It's a great excuse if people ask you like, hey, do you wanna come to this party? And you're like, no, COVID, but really you don't wanna spend time with them. Keep using that for that, that's totally fine. You wanna get out of social scenarios, great. Uh, But one thing that we know is true through the last two years of study is that the negative mental, emotional, and spiritual impact of not being here on a Sunday is so much worse than the physical impact of COVID, right? Addictions are up. Suicide is up. Divorces are up. And what they're finding is that one of the main reasons why that is true is because of isolation, and there's a direct correlation to whether or not people are in church on Sunday mornings, Another reason that we hear is, I'm too busy, Uh, and I believe you on this one. Um, I know how busy Ray and I are with our girls. During the school year, we have something five nights a week. Uh, We are often just passing each other on highways, and it is very intense. But every single one of us make time for our priorities. Author Jordan Peterson wrote that when we say, I don't have enough time, what we're really saying is, this isn't actually important to me. This isn't one of my top priorities, And so if you say you are too busy to serve, what you're really saying, and just being honest with yourself, is saying, hey, this isn't one of my top priorities, that it's not more important than the long list of other things that you do. And so the real challenge for you then is to elevate this to being a higher priority. Instead of serving being pushed down on the list or trying to shove it into an already busy schedule, start cutting things from your life that aren't actually that important to you. Because what God has called us to do is way too important for this to be pushed down at the bottom of your priority list. Another one uh, that we hear is, I work on Sundays. And this is really real being in Frederick, and sometimes that's unavoidable. But I do want to challenge you to make the long-term goal not to work on Sundays, because your soul needs to be here. And whether you work on Sundays or take a ton of vacations or just have a really weird schedule the staff will work with you to make sure there is one that best fits while challenging you, making you uncomfortable, to make this a higher priority. Another thing we hear is, I don't follow Jesus. Uh, and actually, I think this is the best reason to serve in a church because if you are truly investigating Jesus, you should lean in in order to give Jesus a fair shot. I mean, you don't know if Jesus isn't for you if you're not reading your Bible every day or serving others regularly because how would you even know? Right? You wouldn't. When Collective first launched, our team was about 52 people, um, and a lot of them were Jesus followers. They were church people. Um, But since launch, 13 of those people went on to get baptized who started serving first. They started serving before they fully believed, or they started serving in the middle of their doubts. They started serving while they were pursuing faith. And the end result was that they became more confident and their belief in seeing what God was doing in their life and the lives of others. Another one is that I'm new. Uh, Joining the team is a great way to meet people. Uh, We say this all the time. It is the best community that we have at Collective um, because we don't just serve together, but we hang out together. We have fun together. We actually worship together. We celebrate together. Um, plus, for those of you who are like, I'm new and I'm an introvert, right? because that's real, um, it's way less awkward when you're an introvert on the team, because if a social situation pops up and you don't want to be there, you just pretend like you're busy. right? You're just like, oh, i got to go clean this thing. So, yeah, so you don't have to have social interactions if you're new and introverted. Another one is, I need to focus on myself. Uh, we typically hear this when there's drama going on in people's lives, and they say, hey, I just need to focus on myself right now. And I just want to gently push back that stopping serving is never gonna be the path to health. The thing that gets you through the thing that you're going through is not gonna be selfishness. It's really not. Uh, Besides, studies have proven that serving others has a positive impact on your mental health and your overall well-being. And so one of the ways if you are truly focusing on yourself to get healthy is to stop focusing on yourself and start focusing on others and you'll see the dividends of that. Another one is, I don't know what I have to offer Uh, And I totally get this. I'm an introvert. Uh, I have zero musical ability. I can't keep a beat. I can't do any of those things. Uh, Tried instruments in the past. It was really, really bad. Um, I also don't know what to do with kids. And so when I was growing up in the church, when I was in college, I didn't know if there was a place for people like me to serve. But that's why at Collective, we try to create teams that can fit everyone. There are roles on the connections team for people who want to meet people. If you want to say hi to everybody, there's a role for that but there's also roles for people who want to be behind the scenes, who who want to be a little bit more hidden. There are roles on the collective kids team for people who love kids and want to be in a classroom and for people who would rather serve the parents and be hands off with the kids. The production team has roles for people who are actually musically talented, but it also has roles for people who would rather help this environment be intentional and distraction free. We have a breakfast team that actually serves the people who serves. It's probably the coolest team that we have at collective. Um, There's a media team where if you take pictures or video, if you do graphic design, we have a safety and medical team. There's a group of people that keep this place safe every single Sunday, so our team and our staff don't have to focus on those things. And if you're in those fields, you can join that team. We have a facilities team. We have a group of people that come in during the week to make sure this space is ready for you on Sundays. And so my point is this, no matter what your personality is or what your skills are, what your talents and passions are, uh, there is a team that fits you and we want to help you find it. And the last thing that we hear lies: you don't need me to serve. Um, let me just say that the reason we want you to serve isn't for collective. Right? You're here on Sunday. You, you, this is great. Like it's not for collective. Um, it's for you. Serving will grow your faith. It will grow your community. It will grow your heart for people, specifically people who are far from God. But it will also create space for other people to experience Jesus. And so one thing that people think when they come here is that you don't need me because there's plenty of people, and it's great. But it's kind of like this. A few years ago, I played slow-pitch softball, and we had this great team. It was full of guys and girls who grew up playing baseball and softball. In fact, uh, we actually had a few guys that played in college. But the problem was that most of our games were on Sunday afternoons, and it was nearly impossible for us to have a full roster. And so most of the time, we played with eight players, And so what we would do is we'd actually have two outfielders and they would shift depending on who the batter was. And this would work for the first few innings and then eventually teams would figure out, wait a second, they don't have enough outfielders. And so they would start trying to hit it where we weren't. And the thing is, we were still good enough to win a lot of games. Like we would win with with eight people. And the games that we lost were rarely by more than a few runs. But we knew that if we just had a full team, we would have been unstoppable and I think the church is the same way. It's easy to look at collective and say, they don't need me, but we will always be better with you than without you. And so I know there are a ton of reasons not to serve. I didn't get to hit on them all. I actually had to cut a bunch for time. But the question that we have to wrestle with is are they good reasons? Or are we actually just nervous? Right? Do we really just feel insecure? Are we really just being selfish with a little bit of our time? And I think those are just things that we have to wrestle with. And if anyone at Collective has a reason not to serve, uh, it would be Terry Sexton. This is Terry. Um, Terry serves in Collective Kids, and she serves in the Toddlers and Twos room. Um, We have an incredible team back there. They are all heroes. If you want to spend multiple hours a day with Toddlers and Twos, that's a space to be in. Uh, but, But here's the thing about Terry. At the beginning of this year, Terry started to feel like something wasn't right. Um, she started to feel sick, and so she went into the doctor, and a few days later, she was diagnosed with lung cancer. And she started a chemo immediately. The doctors told her that she couldn't wait. But just a few days after her first round of chemo, she walked in through our team engines, which is in the back, and she started to make her way to Collective Kids. And she walked by my office, and so I stopped her, and I asked her, what are you doing? And I'll never forget what she said to me that day. She said, I need my babies, and those babies need me. One of those babies is my baby. And she gave me a really big hug and she kept on walking. And so later that week, uh, we reached out to her and we tried to convince her to stop serving, um, but she refused. And if you know Terry at all, she's a very fiery woman, um, so we weren't going to push back. We're kind of afraid of her. And so every other week, over the past few months, while going through chemotherapy, Terry has been in the back and collective kids, changing diapers, managing a ton of tantrums, and more importantly, loving our kids and teaching them about Jesus, even though she is in the battle of a lifetime. And serving, she will tell you that serving has brought her joy in a season that should be without it. And she will tell you that serving has brought her hope in a time when she should feel hopeless. And if you ask her about it, she'll tell you that it's not about her. It is about those kids and loving them and creating space for them to grow up in a church where they can know who Jesus is. And there are countless stories like this at Collective, stories of people that go all in and start serving, even though it's hard. Right? It will rarely ever be easy or convenient but they do this so collective can be a place where people can bump into Jesus and have their lives changed forever. And so I just want to encourage us and really challenge us to really figure out what would this look like for us? Because here's why we do this. Right now, there is a marriage that's falling apart and it will end in divorce without God. And there's a friend who's going to invite this couple to collective, and that friend is going to pray so hard that from the moment they turn on a Pegasus court, there's a group of people in the parking lot smiling at them. There are people that will open a door for them. There are people that will tell them and look them dead in the eye and say, we are so glad that you are here, and they will mean it. And that friend is praying that this couple's first impression of this church is so disarming that they truly get to hear about grace and truth. And they'll decide to come back for one more week and then they'll work on their marriage for another month and they'll dive into therapy and then one day, years from now, they'll realize that they have a healthy marriage because of what God did in the environment that you created. As a teenager, who's trying to figure out who she is and she's at the point in her life where she's making big decisions about her life and her future and she has a friend who comes to the Collective every single Sunday who's going to bring her one week and we will get one shot with her. And she needs to have a production team that's fully staffed and on point so she can have a distraction-free worship experience and so that she can hear God loves you and he made you with a purpose. Give your life to him and he'll show you the best way to live. And she will, and we'll celebrate that one day. There's a man who feels like a failure in every aspect of his life. He's trying to fake it until he makes it, but he's not making it. He's apathetic with his kids. He's critical toward his wife. He's negligent at his job, but he'll show up one day. And he needs a band that's practiced and ready so he can start to feel emotions that he hasn't felt in a very long time. And he won't be sure what to actually do about it, but he'll realize that God's messing with him and that he can't ignore it. And one day, he'll eventually become the man of God that he's called to be. There's a single mom who's just drowning. She tries to work hard. She tries to stay positive. She loves her kids, but she needs help. And she'll show up on a Sunday and she'll not care less about what I'm saying up here because all she needs is someone to to take care of her kids, to love them, to create a space for them to have fun and learn some deep truths about Jesus that will hopefully help in the home. And she will make a decision to come back, not based on what I say, but based solely on what those kids say when they get in the car to go home. And I know that this will happen because these things have happened before at Collective. And we might not see it right now, and we might not even understand it, but when we serve, we create space for people to experience Jesus, and lives get changed forever. And So I challenge you to get uncomfortable, to check that box, and join a team. And I know there are logistics, and you've got questions, and all of that, but get on the team first and see if it's a good fit. It will be hard. I'm not saying that this will be easy. And there will be times when you doubt yourself, but those will be small compared to what it feels like watching people put their faith in Jesus and get baptized, knowing I didn't cause that, but I got to play a part in that. I just want to say one more thing. And please know that I say this uh, as unapologetically as I can. I wrote this the other day uh, when I was driving home and the news broke about the Smithsburg shooting. I think all of us have been in this place for the past few weeks, uh, we're just waiting for this to happen, right? Um, when the tragedy happened in Texas, I think, at least I don't think I'm the only one, I started to wonder when was it gonna come to Frederick? When, when was this thing gonna happen here and, and, tr- and tragedy struck just a few days ago? Uh, and I know that many of you are impacted by this. Um, there are actually people at Collective that lost family in that shooting, so this is, this is real. Right, it's no longer news. This is, this is our life. And this is what I wrote. This world is broken. This world has fallen. And it doesn't matter what political party you support or who is in office, the only true hope for this world is Jesus. If people could solve all the problems of the world, and if people could take away all the pain and protect us from all the garbage that this world produces, they would have done it by now. But they can't. You can't do that. I can't do that. Politicians and influencers and pastors can't do that. The only thing that can truly save this world is Jesus. And as more and more people sprint so far away from Jesus and so far away from the church, it's no wonder that this world gets worse and more painful every single day. And I understand that there are people in this room and people watching online right now, they don't love everything that Jesus teaches. That's fine. You need to wrestle with that with, with Jesus on your own. Okay, that's between you and God. But my hope is that you understand that everything this world has to offer will always fall short and leave us wanting, but Jesus won't. Jesus said in Matthew 16 to Peter, he said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And what this means and what Jesus is saying is that it's actually the responsibility of the church to push back against the gates of hell. So the question is, are we doing that? What Jesus is saying is that the church isn't on the defensive, we are on the offensive. We are to go out and make this world a better place. Are we doing that? Because the truth is, the world needs this more than ever. Right? We feel that. Not, not, not read it, we feel that, we see that, we experience it in our own lives. Our world needs this more than ever. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus, here's what we want you to know. That thing that you are searching for, that hope and that peace and that purpose and that joy, It will only be found in Jesus. It will only be truly found and rooted in Jesus through the ups and downs, through the good and the bad. It's Jesus. And you can keep looking in other places. You can. You have the right to do that. You can look in your hobbies, in your career. You can look in your relationships, social media, entertainment, whatever you want. You keep looking in those places, but they will come up short. And when they do, this church will be here. And when they do... Jesus will be ready and waiting for you to put your faith in him and so you can get baptized. It won't make everything perfect. It never does. We wish it does. It doesn't make everything perfect and it doesn't make everything easy. It just makes it better because we have real hope and real purpose and real peace and real grace, things that this world doesn't offer. And if you are a follower of Jesus, You have taken those steps. You've repented. You've declared him as your leader and your savior. You've been baptized into new life with him. It is now our responsibility to use our gifts and our time and our talents to create space for other people to experience this goodness, to experience the grace that we've experienced. It is time for us to play our part because this world needs good churches more than ever. And this world needs Jesus more than ever. Need it in the past. It needs it right now. This world will need it even more in the future. It is time for us to step up and play our part so people can experience what God has to offer them, which is so much better than what we know this world offers us. Pray with me. God, I know that. Um, God, I know we, we come here on Sunday mornings and we just feel all the feels. God, it's not to say there isn't joy. A lot of us show up on Sunday, we just, we just feel this overwhelming joy. But we know that the reason we feel that is because we have a relationship with you. But God, when we leave this place and go back into the world and read the news and read social media and experience what this world has to offer, it just breaks us down. God, and we know that. But for some reason, we keep seeking out these good things, this peace, and this joy, and this hope, and this forgiveness, and things of the world. We seek it out in people, God. we seek it out in influencers, seek it out in celebrities. We seek it out in pastors, even, and it always falls short because they're people, and they're flawed, and they're selfish. So, God, I pray, honestly, God, I just pray that the bad stuff stops. But understand that that's not a reality. God, I pray that as these things continue to happen in our world, we realize our need for you is just bigger and bigger and bigger every single day. God, that we realize that we need you in our life because what this world has to offer sucks. It doesn't fulfill us at all. And God, I pray that we don't just realize that for ourselves, but we realize that for the 80% of this county who doesn't go to church on Sunday mornings. 80% of a quarter million people who don't know you. And God, I pray that we feel that burden And God, I pray that we feel that discomfort, and God, I pray that we feel courage from you to take a next step to create space so people can experience you and everything you have to offer, because we know it's the best thing in the world. Through the highs and lows, through the ups and downs, it is the best thing in the world. So God, help us feel uncomfortable this week, uh, or continue to feel uncomfortable. I think we felt this way the the last few weeks. And God, ultimately, we are so thankful that you gave us this mission uh, to seek and save lost people, to share about new lives, to share about grace, share about these great things. God, um, I pray we take this mission seriously. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Um, God, we pray for what you can do in others. God, we love you and pray this in your name, amen.